Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. This is part two of the big Summer League rookie deep dive that Adam Spinella and I recorded earlier this week, I believe on Tuesday, maybe Monday in the United States. I think we recorded on Monday in the United States where we dove into all of the rookies. In the first part of this, we jumped into Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, the top four teams uh, that had the top four picks in the 2023 NBA draft. This next hour is all of the rest of the teams that we wanted to talk about. I do want to give a quick special mention at the top here to Jalen Wilson, a guy we didn't get to talk about, but who I thought was absolutely spectacular throughout the course of summer league, uh, ends up making second team all summer league really looked exactly like what he looked like at Kansas, just in more of a role player role. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that he was quite good. He averaged 17.6 points, 7.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists and shot 46% from three. I don't think Jalen Wilson will shoot 46% from three long-term, but I do think that Jalen Wilson will be uh, an effective NBA player, which is why I ranked him in the top 40 of the draft guide whenever I did it. So with that being said, we're going to jump in here. If the Detroit Pistons at number five, you're going to hear Adam and I breaking down all of these teams remaining moving forward. I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the Detroit Pistons. So it was interesting to watch the Pistons at Summer League, I think, because I caught their first two games in person and I feel like I did not see the best of them like in person. And because of that, like, I wonder if my judgment was like a little bit clouded. And then I watched like the Marcus Sasser 40 point game. And then I watched, you know, Asar Thompson play really, really well in his last game. Like, I don't know. I'll let you kind of take the floor on Detroit. Like it's, it's a little bit hard for me to get that like initial first thing out of it with Detroit, I guess. But also, like, I saw the two games where Jaden Ivey played, and I did not think Jaden Ivey played particularly well at Summer League. Yeah. So, like, m- maybe maybe I'm, like, over-indexing that when we're talking about the rookies, and I felt like the rookies were quite good at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, in watching Summer League, I keep thinking about this idea of winning basketball players, right? Guys who make those plays that would translate to what we most recently saw walking, watching the NBA during the postseason. And those who have experience or just that kind of competitive factor, that glue guy type of mentality, I think the Pistons found them in Asar Thompson and Marcus Sasser. And that's not to say that their ceilings aren't higher than being glue guy type of players, but they just came in and instantly made winning basketball plays with the way that they defended, the way that they rotated, the way that they were able to to force their teams to play in transition. I thought that the rest of the Pistons roster, particularly that some of the guys that matter, like I, I thought Jalen Duren was fine in the in the. Uh, I thought he was there. good. Yeah, I thought, he I was, thought yeah. that. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job of like uh, exploring a little bit while also yeah. doing what he does well. Uh, yeah, I want to remove Jalen Duran from yeah. that part of it. I thought 
Wiseman was terrible on defense still like and he's a fourth year player playing summer league and still just like cannot defend at all um I thought Ivy was not very good unfortunately uh, obviously K didn't play but like r- really it was Ivy and Wiseman that I think maybe left a bad taste in my mouth a little bit more than what I wanted and this comes to someone that like I love Jaden Ivy and I think that he's like an awesome fit next to Cade I just didn't think he played super well at summer league uh in those two games that I saw sure yeah and I was really encouraged with the defensive communication that Duran brought to the table like smaller things and winning habits that are going to help the Detroit Pistons long term it's just they don't pay those immediate dividends in the summer league. So uh, I think what they needed to get out of this, they, they kind of got out of it with some of those guys. I agree. Like Ivy wasn't terrific in that regard. I would like to seen one more shooter really step up for them, but um, you know, I'm fine with how Detroit summer went. Well, and I want to focus a little bit more on Asar because I thought that he really particularly blossomed once Ivy left the lineup a little bit, he got more on ball reps. We got to see him a little bit more as a driver. We got to see him a little bit more as like a transition driver, particularly like being able to create those opportunities and build those like in a more substantial way. I thought he was outstanding uh, throughout the course of their last couple of games, particularly uh, that he played. I still don't buy the shot. Like I, I know that people think he's like the Thompson that can shoot. I I don't think he can shoot genuinely, but I don't think it matters because he did literally every single thing else on the court that you want. He is a great rebounder. He can grab and go on the break and start the break. He is a phenomenal defender. His rotations from the weak side to protect the rim. Those have translated already. Like he is ridiculous with those. Uh, from day one in the NBA. Really active and energetic defensively as a wing defender. The guy that I always comped him to was Andre Iguodala, and that's exactly what he looked like at Summer League. Uh, And I mean that in the most complimentary, best possible way. Like, Andre Iguodala is, you know, a borderline Hall of Famer. Like, I don't know that he'll make it, but it's going to be close. Uh, If I'm comparing you to that guy, I mean that as an absolute compliment. Yeah, I, I love what we saw from Asar. Again, the athleticism is what stands out most. But, you know, you mentioned a, an Andre Iguodala type of role. Like, those guys blossom when they play next to other smart decision makers, ball movers, high IQ basketball players. And I, I just always feel like Summer League is a little bit lower in that regard. They just There aren't as many of them that you're sharing the floor with decisions are made at a step or a half step slower than they are in an NBA game. Asar looks so much faster and more brilliant in, in kind of comparison. And that's not a knock on him. Like he's going to be able to translate that to the next level. But I, I do think his game will pop even more when he's surrounded by a couple more of those guys. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I've seen a couple of Pistons fans say that Ivy's second game was a lot better. I didn't really think so Uh, just from like a process perspective. Like I know if you look at the numbers, like he had 22 points and I think he had like eight or nine or something assists or whatever. I thought that he turned the ball over a ton. He fouled a ton. Uh, They got down like 20. uh, Like I was in attendance for this game. Like they got down like 25 
or something like that. Like it, it was a lot of him like dribbling and pounding the ball into the ground. And again, I say that as someone like I really like Jaden Ivey and I think that like this is just a blip like it's not going to be a big deal at all. He played two games at Summer League. Who the fuck cares? Right. But like I I, I did not really enjoy the Jaden Ivey experience at Summer League, frankly. That's fair. Very fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, in terms of the Pistons. I mean, Marcus Sasser was outstanding, too. Like just absolutely everything you could have wanted to see from Sasser uh, as a late second round pick or a late first round pick. I'm sorry. Uh, was ready to go from day one. Uh, good defensively knocks down shots. Whereas I thought Jaden Ivy was like over dribbling a bit, even in like that 40 point game for Sasser where he was playing on the ball a lot. It felt like he was more decisive in his moves off the bounce and because I think his handle got really underrated in the pre-draft process, like his handle is very silky and good. Uh, because of that, I think he's able to just break down guys a little bit quicker. And that leads to him having more success. He's also like a lights out three-point shooter off the catch. Real pull-up three-point shooter if he gets the separation. He's small, like small matters in today's NBA. Like him being six foot, six foot one, even with the length that he has is going to be an issue but I, I really think that he's going to be like a good you know at the very least like great backup point guard that has a chance to be a starter I think for sure yeah well summer league is not an environment where your lack of size is going to catch up to you you know there aren't a lot of teams yeah. that are completely six five or bigger or disciplined enough to find ways to play through that so uh, you know, I thought Sasser looked really good he's a good basketball player no no questions in my end about that but we just we haven't been able to answer that major question of how does he look when he's the one smaller guy on the court and other teams are trying to go at him. Yeah, and like look, Sasser had that big forty point game against the Pacers, right? But you know, in the other games at summer league, you know, he averaged under ten points per game, and even including that forty point outburst, he still had a uh, fifty two true shooting percentage, right? So small matters like small is important when discussing this, but this is as good as it could have been. I think from Marcus Sasser to start his career, uh, Connor Andrews says, I like his fit with Cade a lot. I agree. Totally elite shooter next to Cade, really good defender. The thing with Sasser is I like him next to Cade. I like him next to Jay Nivey. I like him next to Asar. I like him next to, uh, you know, Cade and Asar. I like him next to, everything right like i i think it just works kind of uh his his skill set is co- so complementary of everybody else on the roster that it could be like kind of hard to keep him off the floor at times i think good basketball players are always better to have than not always valuable that's a always. that's a strong take adam Thank I, you. I agree i agree uh they, they did not have any other rookies that we need to talk about i don't think right tosan got a couple minutes here or there he looked okay that's it yeah i'm uh he looks like maybe a solid e10 guy okay let's now start to like those were the big teams that i really wanted to hit so now we're going to kind of zoom through a little bit more substantially the orlando magic had anthony black and jet howard uh 
what were your takes on them? Uh, Anthony Black, very good at basketball all around, super smart processor, just controls the game in every every type of way. When he was on the floor, I thought the Orlando Magic looked like probably the most organized team in summer league, and then it quickly fell apart when he wasn't out there. So his first game, I was talking to a scout. Uh, it was against the Pistons, and that scout said that he thought Anthony Black's second half against the Pistons was the most impressed he was through the first four days of summer league with any player at summer league. And I, I look, I think it was probably scoot for me still, uh, especially among the guards. And I think like Jabari Smith was probably a little bit better, but I thought Anthony Black's second half against the Pistons was ridiculous. He was everything that you could want to see. He was the exact he was getting to the paint at a super high level he was processing at a super high level defending really well like he did everything to make life hard for Jaden Ivey and he did everything to you know get his team uh you know in position to have a chance to win that game he, he's a basketball genius he is yes truly in the second game against the Pacers I felt like you saw more of the flaws the inefficiency the like lack of desire to shoot from three uh, just wasn't quite as impactful. And then in the third game, I thought it was like kind of a mix against the Knicks where like made some high level passes, impacted the game on the glass, did a good job of like being active and energetic and like hitting the stat sheet, but was still pretty inefficient uh, by and large. Yeah, and that Indiana game was a rough one because the Pacers kind of blitzed them early a, a little bit. Like Orlando just yeah. just fell apart in different ways, and and I think that might be the right time to segue into like Jet Howard stuff a little bit for me. Like I thought he was unconscionably gunning out there this summer. <laughs> like like that yeah. that dude has not met a shot he hasn't liked. And yeah, he made a few and he looked impressive when the shot goes in. But from a decision making and a process standpoint, I wasn't really blown away with Jet Howard. It's hard to know how much of that is like an organizational directive of saying like, hey, this is our our lottery pick guy. We want him to go out there and just get a bunch of shots up or versus how much of it is like, yeah, he was just pulling too much out there and forcing some shots like I did. I did not love the decision making from Jet. Yeah, Jet went out there and did a lot. I thought the first game was look, he went for 22 against the Knicks. I thought the first game from like a process perspective was better than that game for Howard. Like, yeah, he went three for 13, but like he made a couple of really high level movement threes. He went two for seven from three, but more than anything, he had four rebounds. He had four assists. He had three steals. Like the thing with jet Howard, that's going to get him on the court is being active and not just shooting. Like that's how he has to play. He has to be somebody that, impacts the game across the spectrum, not just as a shooter. Uh, In the game against the Knicks, I thought that he went back to like, you know, old Jet Howard where he was just out there gunning. And, you know, I don't think that gets him on the court. I don't. And I I thought he shot them out of the Pacers game early too. I thought that the decisions he made and the shots that he took just really allowed allowed that game to get out of control quickly. Yeah, uh, we did not like the Magic draft. I think that... Frankly, you know, as much as I love Anthony Black, the problem with Anthony Black on that team continues to be that like he's probably somebody that needs the ball in his hands more often than not. 
And by putting the ball in his hands, you're taking it out of Paulo and Franz's hands. And those two guys are all-stars. Like by 2025, they're both going to be all-stars, if not this year, right? So I have worries about that fit there as much as I love Anthony Black, the player. And I just have worries on whether or not Jet Howard is like good enough still. Uh, n- nothing we saw changed that, I guess. Yeah, I love Anthony Black. I still believe that you just you draft like big, smart, high IQ, great defenders. Like he's just a winning basketball player, and you figure out the fit stuff later. I'd rather have Anthony Black on my team than not. Okay. Number seven was Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, Bilal started off slow, and then by the time the last game rolled around, like really, really like was flashing and like popping uh, quite often uh, in their games. What were your takes on Koulibaly? Well, the defense translates from day one. I mean, he is, yeah. he's massive and he's really he's so big. He, he covers ground in a hurry. Like you think you've got room, either separation across from him or, or room to shoot a jumper when he's closing out to you. And you really don't like, he just, he covers an immense amount of ground really quickly. Um, he grew into his role offensively as summer league went along. I thought he struggled a little bit more initially, but you could see as soon as a shot would fall, he'd feel a little bit more emboldened to take the next one. Um, but his activity and just his his overall, I was somewhat impressed by the willingness to have the ball in his hands as much as he did. Um, I was expecting some summer league teams to come out and really try to pressure him and see how he would handle that if he'd look for somebody else to take over at times. And he didn't. He he looked pretty competent and comfortable operating with the ball in his hands. Yeah. And by the time the thunder game rolled around, like he was attacking and getting to the yeah. uh, line and like being aggressive. Like I thought he was really, really good in that thunder game. I thought he was, you know, one of the rawest players at summer league, but still finding a way to make an impact uh, in the first three games in a real positive, substantial way. Look, I, I probably would have gone a different direction if I was Washington, but I think Washington saw everything that they possibly could have wanted to see from him at Summer League, right? Like, I, I don't think you walk away from that disappointed in any way, shape, or form. No, this is a growth process. This is for every young player. You want to see them leave Summer League better at a lot of things or just more encouraging than when they walk in there. Bilal Koulibaly checks that box for me. He, he leaves Summer League in Las Vegas a better basketball player than he was when he got there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Vuksevitz was, you know, actually a little bit better than what I thought he would be for a 20-year-old at Summer League playing, you know, frankly, in the United States, I think for the second time in his life, something like that. Uh, yeah, it was quite good and particularly had the strong game against the Bulls to finish. I don't think he can defend, but, you know, doesn't look like a bad stash guy for them moving forward. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I wasn't as encouraged, but he was he was fine. Okay, number eight, Jarris Walker. I really liked uh, what I saw from Jarris throughout the process. He just looked, he, especially in that first game, 
uh, which was against, if I remember correctly, the Wizards. Uh, it was ridiculous. Like he was just flying around everywhere. He had like a weak side rotation on a block that was fucking ridiculous, like yeah. completely absurd. Um, passing, like the driving at times, the ability to start the break in transition, rebounded the ball super well, ticked every box that the Pacers thought they were getting and shot 17% from three. But you know what the important number was there? He took fucking seven of them per game. Yep. He was completely willing to take them. I would rather that happen than what we saw from some other guys. Like I'd rather Anthony Black take six threes per game than only take two of them, even if he only made one out of 18 for the entire three games that he played. Jarris was willing to fire, and I'm glad he was willing to fire. And he's so good defensively. Like the thing with Jarris is you have to watch the full game to really appreciate the the multitude of ways that he has an impact on things. He's not going to be a highlights guy. He'll stuff the you know the stat sheet in a lot of different ways, but even that doesn't encapsulate the impact he has when he's out there. The shot has to come along. Um, you know, he is a functional passer and a guy who can make good decisions when he puts the ball on the floor. But he lacks like wiggle and bend with the ball. Still, he's a little bit square and and doesn't have like the tightest handle in the world. So there are still improvement areas for him, but yeah, he's just going to be a really good NBA player. I will say like he took 40 shots in those last two games, which is <laughs> fantastic. Once Ben Matherin like was off, they were just like, all right, Jarris go. Yep. I thought he looked better in the first two games generally, uh, largely because I thought he looked better with like an organizer out there, like Andrew Nemhard. Yeah. And yeah, like I, yeah, J- Jarris was everything we wanted to see from Jarris. Uh, he just needs to shoot it at some point, and we'll see where that goes. Like I was not as high on the shooting as I think some people were, which is you know why I didn't have him in the same tier as I had guys like Brandon Miller and Amon Thompson and Cam Whitmore. But I do think that there is there are a number of things that will still provide value for him. Yeah, yeah, he was fine. Uh, up and down summer league for Ben Shepard. But he, you know, he had a couple good moments out there when he, when he was making shots. Um, I think I think the Pacers are in a good spot, really good spot. I, I, Shepard was one of the guys I was not wildly impressed with. I will say, just given how old he is, uh, made threes. Like the, the big thing is like that the shot fell and the shot looked like it translated. Uh, was quite invisible for the first two games that I saw of him live. Like I, I thought that he really blended in, in like a way that you don't love to see, I, I guess is the way I would say it with Ben. Yeah, I can see that. And they had a lot of dudes like Ben Matherin was out there chucking in those first two games and Nemhard had the ball a ton and Jarris was out there getting his shots. Like we'll, we'll see with Ben Shepard. Like he was one of the guys that probably came away a touch a touchdown on, but we'll see. Uh, that That's really the only guys that we need to talk about. Like Isaiah Wong was fine. Uh, Darius McGee, you know, had, you know, a couple of moments. Chibwe played. Chibwe. You know. Yeah, that's Mojave King existed. Like that's, I don't know that we need to dive deeper into them, but the team we do need to dive deep into is the Jazz. Because even though Taylor Hendricks, who was the ninth overall pick, did not play, uh, 
Bryce Sensabaugh, the 27th overall pick, did not play. 20, 29th, 27th, 29th, I think he went. Uh, Keontae George played. And Keontae George was fucking outstanding at Summer League. Uh, was truly the pinnacle of what I thought he could be. And I, I think that I'm just going to have to take an L on Keontae. The, the process is still hard, but the shooting is going to be good enough to where ranking him at 25 is just going to be wrong. And Keontae looks like a guy that at the very least is going to be worth like a top 16 pick where they took him, I think, based off of what we saw. That dude can shoot. That dude can shoot. Uh, what was it, 60-something yep. percent from three across both uh, Salt Lake City and uh, Vegas Summer Leagues combined, something like that. I believe in the 60s on his catch and shoots at least. Like, he was really, really good. Now, assist-to-turnover ratio numbers, much better than what we saw at Baylor. Shooting yes. the ball, really, really strong. He took yes. over games and was incredibly confident in a way that we knew he would be. Um, there's still some smaller things I'd like to see from Keontae. Like it was overwhelmingly positive from him. And I don't want that to get lost in the message I'm about to give, but like he wasn't the most efficient in terms of the decisions he made off the bounce. I thought he forced a few too many jump shots in there, just trying to get yeah. them up. I thought that, um, you know, he, he needs to find that proper balance when he shares a floor with some more talented guys and Utah's summer league team was, was really, really good this year. I liked the way that they moved the ball uh, kind of around him and, and got Keontae shots. I just wished within the flow of offense, once that ball was moving, he would keep it moving a little bit more than he did. And I, and I tweeted about this. There was one clip playing out in, uh, in Salt Lake city in that summer league where, uh, I think Baji started a scramble, made a, a left-hand baseline drift pass, and the ball started rotating around the perimeter. And once it got to Keontae, he should have just thrown that instant one more pass. And instead, he pump-faked yep. one dribble pull-up, his, his foot just across the, the three-point line. Like Those are the winning basketball plays that you're going to have to make. I understand that what he showed with the ball in his hands was utterly, incredibly impressive yeah. this summer. But long-term, those answers about how he fits into a, a winning scheme and plays with other really good players, that's what's going to be important for his development. That's why combo guards who can really light it up like him are so polarizing as prospects because we started the show talking about the Tyler Heroes and Tyrese right. Maxies of the world. They can score and they can light it up, and they're going to get paid doing so. But you have to fit into something bigger than yourself – Love where Keontae was. I think it's a great starting spot for him. Definitely outperformed where many of us had him, but he's got to find a way to fit into a really good team as opposed to being the star of one every single time. Yeah, so Keontae George averaged 18.7 points, shot 46% from the field, 39% from three, 75 from the line, 5.3 assists, uh, 1.8 turnovers. Tyler Hero in his first summer league, Averaged 19.5 points, shot 40%, 33%, 96%. Uh, averaged, you know, four assists versus two turnovers, right? So Keontae, like, a little bit better than that. But 
you know, in, in that ballpark, certainly. Tyrese Maxey, let's take a look at his first summer league. I think that he actually didn't play until his second year of summer league. But like Maxey in that second year of summer league was fucking absurd. He averaged like 26 points. These these guys, I think, tend to, when they are polished and have real skill, really stand out at this yep. level. The good news for Utah fans is that I think that like, I feel great about him being able to like play this year now after this, like truly, uh, I don't know that I buy like Keontae at like, you know, I'm trying to think of like, do I buy him as like a Donovan Mitchell type or do I buy him as like a Bradley Beal type? Look, I, I think that upside exists like based off of what we saw, like I, I wouldn't rule that out maybe is what I would say. Uh, I think J-Mac, you know, bringing up, like, looks like a more young Murray more than a young Mitchell. Yeah, I think that I agree, like, stylistically, that that's probably the name that he reminded me of. But Murray always has moved a lot more without the ball than what Keontae does. To me, it's it's more Beal has always been the comp stylistically. It's like a, it's like a Beal-Eric Gordon kind of hybrid kind of guy, you know? Yeah. And... That's great. Like that guy is 100% a starter and is going to be phenomenal. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really want to nitpick. Like I think that Keontae was just fantastic, and I, I'm fascinated to see where it goes. The process on these shots is hard on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He has to make the open ones when he gets them. But if he's their starting point guard, like entering the year, I'm intrigued to see how that goes. Like, could could go well. Could really, really go well. The, the process is a little bit harder, but he might be good enough to overcome the process. You know what I mean? Uh, this is a great question from Tyler Hines, actually. What takes someone from a hero maxi type to a Mitchell Murray type? Mitchell is different. Mitchell is in a different plane athletically than these guys. Like, completely different uh, in terms of length, in terms of at- like speed, strength, all of it. I think it's like what takes a hero maxi type to a Murray, like Bradley Beal type to me, it's getting extremely comfortable at your own pace of play, becoming not just a good ball handler, but a great ball handler in terms of suddenness and being able to separate from your guy. Uh, and then going from being like a good shooter to a genuinely great shooter, uh, but to me, like the ball handling skill is probably the biggest skill. Keontae, I think, has a lot of it, but it's a little bit loose right now. He'll grow into it, and I think it'll be great. Look, based if we were redrafting, I would have Keontae, you know, somewhere around, somewhere in the lottery. I think at this point, based off of what we saw, the frame being totally different and him like looking skinnier and having more juice athletically is a huge difference maker for him. It is. And, and not just skinnier, but he still uses his body and his frame to get to the free throw line at an incredibly real late. Like if he is playing 30 minutes a game, he's going to shoot six, seven, eight free throws a game. Like he, he yep. really gets to the line. Yep. That's dead on. Uh, okay. Number 10 is Kaysen Wallace. I thought Kaysen was quite good as well. Knocked just, down. Yeah. He knocked down shots and he made winning plays. He did what Kaysen Wallace does. Just a very good summer league for him. Yeah. 
played the role, knocked down catch and shoot threes, defended at a high level. Uh, his game against what game was I there for? Uh, it was the first game that Chet played. Uh, any help on this, Adam? Uh, no, who did they play? They're all blending together for me. I got, I got nothing off the top of my head. Yeah. I forget who they played, but it was the one where he like made like six or seven threes yeah. and just looked completely at home and Houston? solid and Dallas? polished. Uh, it was Dallas. Now that you say it was Dallas. Yeah. Uh, you look at the overall numbers, like Kaysen shot 35% from the field and, you know, had a negative turnover ratio. I think the last couple of games, you know, kind of dropped that out a little bit, but I thought in general, he was very, very good. I thought in general, like going to have to improve the score, going to have to improve as a uh, driver, particularly has to be able to pressure the paint in some way. And we didn't see that. And, you know, he was, he he was, he was a solid small guard. I think is the way to put it. I like Kaysen Wallace a lot. I just, I think he just makes winning plays when he's on the floor and, and that's, that pops in summer league. No doubt about it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that I need to like go super long on Kaysen necessarily. Mm-hmm. I thought he just looked solid. You know, what wasn't great. Wasn't terrible. Uh, I would imagine that he'll play a decent amount with the G league team this year because they are just loaded with guards. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Like, Usman Jang. Shout out yeah. Usman. Us, Us, Us is ahead of him right now. Yeah. I think like pretty clearly in the pecking order and should be. Uh, in ahead of him in the pecking order based off of what we saw at summer league and based off of just what their needs are. Like they have Shea, they have uh, Josh Giddy, they have uh, Lou Dort, they have Jalen Williams. They have a number of these guys that can play the two and both Shea and Giddy can play the one. So like they obviously bring in also uh VCA Mitzich. So like I'd imagine he'll be the backup point guard. It's going to be a lot of case and walls with the blue this year, I think. Yeah. And Trey Mann in there, too. Yeah, there's a lot of bodies. All right. Uh, the Mavs, Derek Lively and Omax Prosper. Any strong thoughts? Yeah, you know, I'm actually going to have a video coming out on both of these guys and Jaden Hardy and kind of their summer league review in a lot of different ways. Like, I think Omax just looks like a pro when he's on the floor. Yep. That's that's the only way I can just say. Like, he he defends. He runs the floor. He makes the right decision with the ball in his hands. He's a competent shooter. He can do a little bit more off the bounce and in transition than he showed at Marquette. Like, just a good basketball player. Lively, you know, offensively, I think that he and Hardy didn't develop enough pick-and-roll chemistry for his offensive game to really pop. There were some really intriguing short-roll passes that he had, and then he is a a menace on the offensive glass. Like, when he wants to attack and get second-chance points, Derek Lively is going to be able to do so. you know, defense, it's always hard for, for rookies to come in and, and just be totally impact guys right away. I don't know how much we'll see Lively in the rotation or at least in like meaningful games for the Mavs right away this year. But I think the ceiling is still really high for him because he can do so many different things against pick and roll coverages. Yeah, agree. Uh, it was fine, I thought. Uh, struggled early. Uh, that game against Oklahoma City I thought was a bit of a a bit rough early on, but I think he'll look better with Luca and Kyrie is kind of where I'm at. Uh, again, wouldn't surprise me if he played a lot in the G league this year, yeah. but he might by the end of the year, like, look, the pathway for him last year was like, did not play a lot at Duke. 
and then was literally the best defensive player in college basketball by the end of the year. I think it's possible that that ends up being kind of the pathway yeah. for Lively this year as well in terms of like not being the best defensive player in the NBA, but being like a guy that can come in and get minutes by the time, you know, February, March, April rolls around. Yeah, And, and look, and he needs to be a screen and roll guy only uh, on the, the offensive end of the floor because like he still looks so robotic and maybe just a little bit turned around when he's trying to initiate dribble handoffs or do something else on the perimeter. Like he'll flip the ball to a guy coming off of a, a handoff and he'll like not know which way to pivot to try to seal off yeah. his defender or where to stand. Like there are those little things that he needs to clean up and just get more fluidity at doing uh, that probably are only going to happen for him in the G League. Uh, Omax, real quick. It was funny they just played Omax in the role he'll play in the NBA. Like yeah. <laughs> there's like camp in the corner, defend, go nuts. And he was great. He was great in that. He's just, he's always st- stood out to me as being a guy who excels in his role and knows what his role is. I always tell our young players on the team that I coach, like the best gift that I could ever give you as a coach is self-awareness. Like, please learn what you do really well and buy into doing that. And totally. I think that's, that is who Omax is as a player. That's why he pops at summer league. That's why he's going to continue to pop and look good when he gets with the real Mavs. 100% right. Uh, next up here is Grady Dick. I thought Grady Dick struggled in the first two games and was really good in the second two games. And by the way, like, didn't really shoot well from three. Like, he made 29% of his three-point attempts. And in those second two games where they, like, really let him play a little bit more uh, on the ball, get shots that he could, I thought he was outstanding. I agree. Um, you know, I, I think that it's hard to mention Grady Dick without also mentioning Marquise Noel in some regard for Toronto because they put the ball in his hands so much to try to create for, for Grady or for other people. And I thought that Grady surprisingly looked better when he had the ball in his hands in some regard. Yeah. Um, and it was no, no, let me just be clear. No, Noel is like a hard pass for me. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm good without him at this point, fun, even after fun player. Even after what we saw at Summer League, like that's just like not a player that I think he's too small. I think his decision making was horrible. Like I'm good. Flashy passer, but I don't think he understood the objective of, hey, let's go get Grady Dick some shots, please. Let's continue to get his confidence up. And those as Summer League went on and like you said, Grady got into that role. I think that uh, that he settled in quite a bit more, showed a little bit more in the mid-range area and off the bounce than I was expecting. Uh, a good summer for him. Good summer. Yep. I thought Grady was good uh, in those second two games. All right, last lottery pick here, and then we're going to bounce around a little bit. Okay. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, I thought, was pretty hit or miss throughout for the Pelicans. Uh, had a couple of high-scoring games early, then really struggled, I thought, in his third and fourth games. Finished it up okay. Really, like, what I think these games showed is that Hawkins is just going to be, like, very dependent upon just the shot. Like, if the shot falls, he'll be valuable. But, like, there's not a a lot there beyond that. 
You know what I mean? And we thought that coming into the draft, it's why, you know, we ranked him at you know 20 or whatever. I had him at 20. I don't know what you had him at. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it just is the shot. He's going to have to shoot. He's one of the best movement shooters in the class, but he really just has to shoot at the end of the day. And if he doesn't, and he shoots 25% from three, like he did at summer league, he's probably not going to be that valuable. Yep. I thought the, the Pelicans uh, team as a whole did a decent job of trying to get him involved and to maximize his moments when he was on the floor. So I, I will mm-hmm. give them some credit in that regard. Like they found ways to get him shots, curling off of wide pin downs or running some stuff for him. Darian Sebron is, is a guy I've always really liked. It's just like this jumbo initiator guy. Like that's, that was a unique player to see share the floor with a guy like Jordan Hawkins, because in some regard, it'll simulate when you get with a Brandon Ingram or a Zion Williamson trying to attack being that forward playing with the ball in their hands. Uh, fine summer from Jordan Hawkins. Nothing blew me away. Yep. Okay. Let's bounce around a little bit here. Uh, you and I both really liked Kobe Bufkin pre-draft. What did you think of Kobe's summer league? Hit or miss had some moments. There was one game. I can't for the life of me remember who it is against. I think it was his second game where he just kind of went takeover yep. mode um, and, yep. and had a really, really positive offensive showing. But other than that, like it, Nothing too remarkable. Agree. Uh, I thought he was okay. The thing that stood out in person is just he is painfully skinny. Uh, It's going to be a problem early for him, I think, in his career. Uh, He he needs to put on some weight. I would imagine he will spend a good amount of time with College Park. Maybe like the aggressiveness defensively could get him like on the court a little bit earlier, but in general, I would expect him to probably spend a good amount of time with college park. Agree. Uh, I thought Brandon Pajemski showcased exceptionally high level passing flashes while also displaying a lot of the concerning things that you and I were worried about coming in, in terms of, is he a 45% three point shooter or is he, you know, somebody who's going to struggle to separate and, struggle to like really get where he needs to go the passing flashes though were exceptional i thought he was one of the best passers i saw at summer league if not the best yeah i agree and and i thought he got into the lane a little bit more than even i had expected it didn't answer all the questions that i have completely like he's still just a little bit stunted of an athlete in different regards but the combination of his passing ability and how quickly he can get to either a pass or a runner in that mid range area just makes him dangerous. Even when he's got kind of even ground with his defender. So I, I was pretty pleased with how Pajemski played the shot will fall a little bit better. Like he's not, he's probably not as good as he shot it this year at Santa Clara, but he's not as poor as he shot in summer league either. The team that I really want to talk about is Denver. Uh, let's start with Hunter Tyson because I thought Hunter Tyson was probably one of the five best rookies I saw at summer league. Just point blank. He's very good. And, and it, he shot, he just shot the leather off the ball too. Like that, that certainly doesn't hurt when you're over 50% from three. But I mean, that's what he is though. Like it's, yeah, it's I mean, it's, he, he, I don't know if he's a 50% three point shooter, but he is a shooter. That's yeah. what the skill set is. He's like a shooter plus skill set where he can really run off of actions. He can knock down shots off the catch. And more than that, though, it was like understands how to come off of screens to drive, how to come off of screens, to get to that little floater game, uh, 
just a really high IQ, high feel player that I thought he looked by far the best of their rookies, uh, followed by Julian Schrather. Like I, I thought, like I ended up with a top 50 grade on Tyson and I'm like worried that it was way too low. I, I think he might be like a first round value at the end of the day. Yeah, he he looked good. Again, when you shoot 50%, like it's, it's hard to not look good. You shoot 50% from three. Um, you know, with Strother, like he, he still had a couple of those concerns inside the arc that we all talked about coming into this draft class. But he he shoots, he gets him up in a hurry. He's great in transition. I thought both of those guys popped really well because they shot the ball in the way that you would expect them to, if not even a little bit better. Yeah, Julian, I thought was not quite as good. Like he shot 40% from the field and 34 from three. Like Hunter was you know, just a flamethrower the entire five games that he was there. But more than that with Hunter, it it was honestly like the cutting, the movement, like everything. Like Julian, it it felt like everything was a play run for Julian in terms of when it worked for him. With Hunter, it felt like it was completely within the flow of the offense. And like, eventually they started running plays for him. You know what I mean? Like, Average 21 points per game, like was just really active and aggressive. I thought uh, across the court, like he had six rebounds per game. The defense is going to be an adventure. Like I'm totally there with that. But the way he understands how to move, I think he is like a real potential rotation player. Uh, I also we'll talk about Denver a little bit later. We might do like a team by team breakdown of all the summer league guys at some point. Um but I thought that I thought Hunter was quite good. And I thought he very much earned his first team all summer league uh, accolade that he got. Yep. Yeah. He was, he was really strong. Where were you on picket? What do you, what did you think about him this summer? I thought it was fine. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm his game is something that I might be immune to maybe <laughs> in terms of like, not, not totally valuing it in a way that others do. And I completely understand and respect it. Uh, There were moments I thought where he ran the offense really well Uh, in general, like he got them in and out of their sets at a high level. Like he looked like a good veteran guard out there, I think is what I would say. Um, How it'll work in the NBA. I don't know. That is the it's exactly the key point that I was going to bring up here at the end. Like it, he looked like he looked in college and looked like he looked would look in a summer league environment. I still don't know if I am swung to the point where I would say, "Hey, this is the guy I'd hand the keys to with my second unit." Like I don't know how I feel about that yet. I think that's right. I probably would not. But like, did he look better than Jordan Ford? Did he look better than? Jacob Gilliard like he he looked like that kind of player to me I guess Uh, but he's a rookie and those guys are you know multi-year veterans so there's time for him to showcase improvements there Uh, he turns 24 in October so not that much time but there's enough time to where you can really get there Uh, the the next guy we have to talk about is my dear sweet uh, son leonard miller leonard miller was fucking awesome he's great he was awesome it was absolutely everything you wanted to see from leonard miller especially in those first three games tailed off a little bit uh near the end there in his last two 
15.4 points, eight rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.4 steals, a block, like shot 45% from the field, 37% from three. Again, this is a teenager. Like, seriously, this is a fucking teenager, and he's doing this. Leonard Miller is good at basketball. He just finds ways to be productive, and, and you know, at his size with his just – like fluidity and how he moves and the weird skill set he brings to the table. Like you just, you have to give that guy a first round grade, man. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get how he falls to 33. I really don't. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that caught my eye about Leonard Miller. You that little like bump into contact into the mid range. Like, I don't want to call it a step back necessarily, but almost like a floater jump shot yeah. combo. That was re- he hit that a couple times. It looked really functional for him. That's a great counter for a guy who I think loved Euro steps a little too much this past season with the ignite. Like if you find that you're about to hit a body, like take the contact and then get to that little float game. Like really reasonable addition to his bag. I, I liked it. Yep, and that's absolutely what he does. Like he he got to that point. Uh, I think late in the year with. Uh, the ignite where he was just bumping and going, and I think he's gonna be able to do it in the NBA, especially by the time he's 24. Like, think about that. Like Leonard Miller right now is 19 years old. Think about how strong that guy is gonna be with like the enormous shoulders he has when he's 24 years old. Like he's gonna be able to move people. He's the same age as Jason Tatum. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he also shot. 37 from three. One thing that I told people after having seen him work out, I think he's going to be fine as a shooter. Small sample. We'll see what it looks like, you know, once we get past these five games. The shot looked cleaner, though, didn't it? It did. It did. Like, uh, yeah, Leonard Miller's a dude, uh, period, point blank. Uh, This is a guy that should have been uh, a first-round pick, and Minnesota is going to reap all the benefits. Also, I can't imagine a better fit for him in terms of the scheme, the offense, everything than Minnesota because Chris Finch is going to have him grab and go all day. He's going to be like, go, you catch it, you go, you grab it on the glass, go do your thing, Lenny. We're all good. I love it. Love it so much. Shout out to his pink suit at Summer League too. Oh, uh, or at, uh, at the press draft. conference yeah, after he got yeah. drafted. Yeah. Unbelievable. Dude, dude is an icon. He's a good dude. I like Lenny. Uh, Best highlight I saw of Summer League goes to Andre Jackson. Andre Jackson caught Peyton Watson on back-to-back dunk attempts in transition as a trailer, and it was the craziest fucking thing I think I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was was the bright moment for him, though. That was... Yeah. You know what, though? Like... I thought he played the right way and that team was just like kind of a mess in terms of the way it was constructed. But like, I, I don't know, man, those blocks. I was just like, that's all I need. I'm, I'm good. Let's g- give me all the Andre Jackson hype that I can buy. Uh, passed it. Well play made plays. Well, like it was, it was good. I thought that Andre played well. Yeah. Um, the, the highlights though, were catching Peyton Watson twice. <laughs> On back-to-back dunk attempts in transition. It was insane. Uh, A guy that we missed is one of your favorites. Come on. Give me me some Kobe Brown love here. 30-piece Kobe. I think it's great. 
even in the games yeah. where he didn't drop 35 like he did against the Sixers, like I, I was there for his, I think it was the first game he played. Yeah. And yeah, he had like 11 points on 11 shots, but rebounded the ball super well, moved like an NBA player. Like you, you could see the vision at a super easy level. Yeah, the shot didn't fall early, and then it exploded in that one game against Philadelphia. Like, again, he's going to settle somewhere in between all of that. But I, I agree. I thought he moved like an NBA player. Still saw the lateral quickness show up at times where he can't keep everybody in front or digs his heels in yep. a little bit too much. Like, that's the improvement area that we need to continue to see from him. But he just he belongs on that type of floor. Another guy that I think showcased some ability to belong is Jordan Walsh. Yes. Uh, I think Jordan Walsh was quite good at Summer League. Really good. It shot the ball with confidence. That's the key for him. And, again, yep. another vi- another video that I just did go over to my YouTube channel to check it out, kind of breaking down the Celtics Summer League. And with Jordan Walsh, the, the connective playmaking that he shows when he can get past his man on the perimeter is really high level but he needs to be a credible threat to force them to close out hard to him in order to get to that connective playmaking reliably. And the way that he came out shooting it confidently and, you know, going four or six for three from three in his debut really set the course for what the rest of summer league was going to be like for him. Put the ball on the deck. When you get run off the line, make positive decisions with it. I, I like what he brings from an intangible standpoint. 16 points, four rebounds, 1.6 assists per game. But the big number there was the 41% from three that he shot. Uh, if he shoots 41% from three, he's an NBA player, point blank. Really good rotational player because he does everything else at a high level. Yeah, totally. Uh, let's see here. Going down the order here. I did not love what I saw from Mo Gay. Uh, I, I know Hawks fans seem to be very excited about him, but... That was, uh, yeah, I was not super impressed with him defensively. I was not super impressed with him. Uh, he showed some flashes offensively, but it's still just like the full the full picture does not work for me uh, in terms of what he brings to the table. Uh, does not really finish well on the interior. Defense is a train wreck. Like he's a he's a multi year project still. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, if there's one team that I want to give a shout out to for building their roster the right way and just having a really well-rounded group, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. I really yeah. enjoyed watching them play. You know, you mentioned Houston, like all the dudes and the athletes that they had. I just thought Cleveland had the smartest roster in the way that they put everything together. Like Isaiah Mobley is an NBA player. I really like the way that Isaiah Mobley played. Good flashes yep. from a guy like Luke Travers. You know, Amani Bates was the Imani Bates experience. If you really liked him coming into the draft, you're banging the drum even louder now after the summer league. And if you had some issues with his shot selection, you probably still have those same issues and wonder how scalable his role is going to be. But at the very least, like he looked, he looked like he is a talented enough player to deserve some minutes down the line. Yeah. I mean, he's going to spend his entire season in Canton, but that's going to be good for him. It's going to be really, really good for him. Shot 41% on eight three-point attempts per game. What I will say is this. I was very worried about him coming into summer league in terms of like taking shots away from his teammates and older guys and stuff. He generally played really well within the flow of the offense with Cleveland. Like he was 
he did not like aimlessly attack. He did not like take, he took a couple of bad shots per game probably, but I'm okay with that. It's, he can't take eight bad shots per game. Like he took it Eastern Michigan. He needs to take two bad shots per game. That's start. It's a real, real benefit to him that I think he did that. And I think it's crazy that he made second team all summer league that, that, that makes, he was frankly, like not one of the three best players on Cleveland's summer league team. Uh, But I do think that what we saw from Amani was everything that we could have hoped to have seen from Amani from a growth perspective. Now he needs to sit down, needs to work on his defense, needs to uh, work on his decision-making to an even further level. The shooting is there. He can absolutely shoot and has a chance to shoot at a level that will make him an NBA player. We'll see what he's willing to grow into in Canton like over the course of the next year in the G League. Also, Craig Porter Jr. is a dude. Just, he's a dude. I thought Craig Porter was really good. I thought Craig Porter was really, really good. Um, Two to one assist turnover ratio, averaging five assists per game, 13 points, seven rebounds, defended really well. He he was better than Imani Bates on that team, just genuinely, like across the board, decision maker. Oh, Isaiah Mobley not making, like, look, you can drive yourself crazy. With the all summer league teams, they are every year completely fucking batshit crazy. We need to just not think about them much. That will make things better. But I think Amani Bates looked like a guy that, like, I don't think I would take Amani in the first round based off of what I saw still. But I do think that what we saw was valuable and a real positive step for him moving forward. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Like, I, I probably would have ranked this Amani like 45th-ish, maybe, maybe in that ballpark, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like a 20-spot rise for me. That's like a significant jump. Uh, from Basketball Genesis, Chris Livingston, question mark, uh, was pretty invisible in the couple of Bucks games that I saw. Uh, I know he averaged 10 and shot 50%. A lot of that was just on cuts toward the rim and out in transition. Did not shoot well from three. Didn't love it. Uh, from Cooper, any thoughts on the Kings guys? Uh, Adam, looks like you would have thought there. Do you want to you say something? Yeah, I think Keon Ellis is a legit NBA player. I love his defense, and he's just he moves like an NBA dude. I love Keon Ellis. Yeah, uh, Colby Jones, I thought he was fine. Like, was a little bit more invisible out there than what I would have liked to have seen from him. I thought Jordan Ford was the one. Like, that's the guy that pops for me every time I watch Jordan Ford. But I also had, like, a top 70 grade on Jordan Ford in his draft year. So, I'm a big Jordan Ford guy and always have been. I I will uh, bang the drum for Jordan Ford any chance I get. Uh, Glad you brought up brought up Keon Ellis. He's probably the one that realistically I think was best with all of this. Um, uh, 24 seconds is Jared Butler, a dude. Again, I had a first round grade on Jared Butler. I quite like him. Uh, I, they have too many guys and he's gonna have to find another home. I think uh, probably won't be with Oklahoma city, but yes, I think on some level, Jared Butler is an NBA player at the very least. Totally agree. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, so 
he signed so late yeah. that like we didn't get enough of a chance to see him. He had the one good game where it was he had like 17 and 8 if I remember correctly. Uh I'm trying to remember who it was against. It was like uh it was I think it was the Raptors if I remember right. Um yeah, and like, you know, did the typical Warriors, you know, big stuff where he was away from the basket, was willing to pass, was willing to play make, did all of it at a pretty solid clip. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just such a perfect scheme and fit for him. Yep. Uh, last guy here, Colin Castleton, uh, was the, I thought, probably the best undrafted guy, right? I had the yeah. highest undrafted grade on him of any player that didn't get picked. And, I thought that he not only looked like a real like summer league get, but an actual dude. Like I thought he looked like he might be able to play backup center for the Lakers this year, point blank. Yeah, he he looked really good. It was either him or Craig Porter as being best undrafted guys. Um, and, and Castleton, like it, just with his size, he's going to make an easier transition into the NBA and, and being impactful from day one. Uh, really impressed by. I don't want to say I was late to the party on guy like Colin Castleton, but I did my deep dive film wise on him, like maybe two weeks before the draft. And I came away just putting all the pieces together, being really impressed. Like this dude can do a lot of different things. And he showcased that out out there this summer. Like he can do a lot of different things for a big man. Yeah. uh, 14, nine and four for him at summer league. Uh, Really good screener, really comfortable with the ball and dribble handoffs, great rebounder, uh, blocks shots, like everything that we saw from Colin Castleton makes me think that like he should just be on a roster, uh, point blank. Yep, totally agree. Okay, that's all for the rookies. We've gone for two hours. This will be a two-part podcast episode because... I'm not going to want to record multiple times this week. I don't think uh, at some point, I think I'm going to have Robbie Callen come on and we're going to talk about mission impossible. Uh, at some point I want to have Andrew Schlecht come on and talk about a question that Scal's roar asked, how the heck does Oklahoma city cut their numbers down? Uh, they have like 23 players in their system. Genuinely. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. Number of really interesting, fun questions, I think to figure out. Uh, that's about all I've got, Adam. Do you have any strong takes? I don't really have any strong takes here. Again, just to reaffirm what we talked about at the very beginning, this was a good rookie showing top to bottom. I think a lot of guys showed some positive things. I was really impressed with the depth in this class and how it revealed itself early on. And that's a great takeaway to have from Summer League. This was a really, really fun year of games. Really fun year of games, really good rookie class. I'm glad we could break it down and dive deep into it. Adam, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people about your YouTube channel. Tell the people about the box and one. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at the box and one underscore. YouTube is my name, Adam Spinella, or my Substack page, theboxandone.substack.com. Some smaller pieces coming out this time of year, some summer league recaps right now over the next week. So keep your eyes glued on the YouTube channel for those. And uh, I'm going to start doing some in-depth prospect breakdowns. Just finished one for the class of 2024 today. 18 minutes on a guy who I think is my favorite prospect in this class. 
Who did you do? I'm gonna. We, is it an incoming freshman or a returnee? We will find out soon, Sam, won't we? Huh. Hmm. My favorite guy in the class. Okay, I'm intrigued. Uh, okay, my my body is shutting down uh, officially now. Uh, <laughs> we said we were going to go for an hour. We went for two. Yeah, the the sinus infection is taking hold, folks, and it's time to time to put my body uh, out of its misery. Now I will go lie down. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back later this week at some point. I don't know when. Until next time, we'll talk soon.